Let me ask you a question this morning. You came to church to hear a message, to leave here, hopefully transform when you leave. And that's what I've been praying for you this week, that when you come, whether you're online or sitting here, that when this service is over, you leave here and your life is changed. You are not the same person you were when you came in. And so this morning, I am so confident that God can do this in your life and in my life that he's going to do it. So I'm going to pray and ask him to do it one more time, okay? Father, thank you for the privilege to gather this morning, Lord. We don't want to waste one second. We want to get right to the point of what you want in our life today. And God, I pray that you'll shatter every wall and every barrier that keeps us from hearing, seeing, and most importantly, Lord, from doing. So whatever excuse we have this morning, may we open the window and throw it out. And may we have ears to hear and eyes to see as we look into your word today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we think about changing our world, how do you do that? You know, you can't change Washington. You can't change Congress, the White House. You can't even change the Board of Supervisors here in Montgomery County. We have one voice, don't we? But I want to tell you something you can change. It's more powerful than any elected office, and that is the world that God puts around you. You and only you can change that. And God has a special plan for your life to change the world. Now, how do you do that? That's the question you ask. How in the world do I do that? And that's what I want to share with you today. Four simple, life-changing truths, ways that you can have compassion. That's the key word, compassion, in your life to change your world. Four ways. Anybody can handle four ways, can't you? So let's think about that this morning. Four ways that we can have compassion to change our world today. What are they? Well, take God's Word and find Matthew chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 35 through 38 this morning. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. Four ways that we can change our world. I'm going to begin reading in verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This is a text that's often used as a mission text, but I've got news for you. That's a personal life text. That's a church application text. Jesus was sending out his disciples into the nation of Israel to tell them that their king had come and they were to repent and to believe. That's what the gospel of the kingdom was. Today, we don't preach the gospel of the kingdom. What do we preach? We preach the gospel of the grace of God. What is that? That is God, because of his undeserved favor, pours out his love upon sinful people so that we can have our sins forgiven and be given in exchange for our sin the gift of Christ's righteousness on our behalf. I often ask this question, how righteous do you have to be to be in heaven? And if your answer is not as righteous as Jesus, you've got the wrong answer. You have to be as righteous as Christ himself before you can ever get into heaven. You can't get there any other way. You ask the question, well, how in the world do I become as righteous as Jesus? Because that's impossible. That's exactly right, except for the grace of God. Because what does Jesus do on your behalf when you trust Him as Savior? He takes your sin 
And then he exchanges it for the righteousness of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Jesus Christ is our righteousness. We miss that a lot, don't we? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. He took our sin. He became sin for us who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him, in Jesus. So the great exchange takes place. Now, what do we do in our life once our life is totally transformed by the grace of God? How do we live our life in such a way that we change our world? Well, the first way is by what our Lord does here. And that's as simple as this. But let me tell you something. It's totally transformative. We can change our world by what we see. By what we see. Look in verses 35 and 36 again. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues. Verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. When he saw the crowds. You know, it's so easy in our life to become so consumed with ourself that we fail to see outside of our own needs. By the way, we have many needs in our life. We don't deny that at all. If you sat down and you were honest with every person in here and you said, you know, tell me your needs in your life, we could list a page full of them if we were being honest and truthful. I, I need this. I need that. I need a washing machine. I need a car. I need tire. I need brakes. I need a job. I need a raise. I need... It's all on down the list. But you know what? Sometimes we become so consumed with our own needs that we fail to see the needs of others. I want to share a truth with you that changed my life as a pastor. I had no clue when I got in ministry this was going to happen. Somebody talked to me one time when I was young about the importance of going out and getting involved in the life of people. They said this, because when you go to get involved in the life of people, what happens is you go to help them and change their life, but what happens is you come back with your life changed. I have found that to be so true in the pastor. When you go to minister or you go to share with someone and you go to get involved in their life, what happens is they end up blessing your life. But sometimes we have to be able to see beyond our own needs and our own self and our own world that we can look beyond And when we do that, our life is transformed. So what do we see when we look into the world? Let me just give you a few things that you and I can see if we have eyes to see. Number one, we can see sick people all around us. They're everywhere. Did you know that? People who have illnesses and problems in their life that they either can or cannot explain. That is an opportunity for ministry. We can't heal them like Jesus can. You hear me? I am... I am not a faith healer. I can do when I lay my hands on you is pass whatever germs I have when I coughed. That, that is the extent of my healing ministry. But I'm going to tell you one thing I can do. I can pray for you. And I can be there and I can listen to you. I can share encouraging words to you. I can bring people into your life that are going through the same thing that you are. They can connect with you and help you. But if we will just look into our world, we will see people who have great needs. Sickness is one of them. The second is sinfulness. Do you you realize the burden that people have in their life over sin? I, I can't explain this to you. I can just tell you. Imagine chains being wrapped around someone's neck over and over and over again until it weighs them down to where they're walking through their life with wads and wads of chains wrapped around their body. This is what you call being weighted down by something. When my dad was a logger, 
one of the things you had to do when, when you were the fetcher, that's what we called it, is you had to grab the chain and you had to carry it to the tree that was being harvested and wrap it around it so that the machine could pull it to it. Well, you don't realize when you're walking up a hill like this, when you grab 60 or 80 pounds of chain and you try to walk up a hill, you don't realize how hard that is. And it was a wonderful thing to get up to the top of the tree and be able to throw that thing off and go, whew. Well, I'm going to tell you something. That's the same thing that we experience in our life when we're weighed down with sin. And I promise you, folks, if you just look around at your world, you'll see people who are weighted down with sin. All of us are sinners. Let's, let's go ahead and just clear the air this morning. Every set of eyes you look at here today, including the one speaking to you, is a sinner. Struggle, a struggling sinner. Someone who has not mastered everything in their life. I haven't mastered it and don't even dare tell me you have either. There's only one person that mastered their complete sin nature in their life and that was Jesus because he didn't have one. Every human being that has been born has been impacted by Adam's sin and we all struggle with sin. One of the greatest messages that we have is the gospel of the grace of God which breaks the bondage of sin in a life. And even though we may struggle with the temptation of sin or we may struggle with the consequence of sin, listen to me, folks, we don't have to wear it forever. We are forgiven. And if you have eyes to see, God will give us a message to share with a sinful world that they can experience forgiveness. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, that's a good place to say amen. Yes, it is wonderful. (laughs) Sorrowful people, you know, especially in today's world, It's just filled with sorrow. It's like there's no joy in life. Everything is always negative and negative this and negative that. When we look around, it's not hard to see people who need a word of encouragement, is it? And so if we have eyes to see, all you have to do is look into the faces of people and you can see that they need a word of encouragement. Suffering people, sad people. We could go right on down the list of all of this. You know, John and Sarah, they had an incredible statement in their Uh, story this morning they could have sat in their pain did you hear that sat in their pain but instead they began to look out into the world and see the opportunities that were there and somewhere out in this world the almighty providence of God began to line up a couple in another part of this state and their life and something happened in that couple's life And something was happening in this couple's life and they were able to take their pain and they were able to join it together and rescue a life. This this little child is a rescued child. Do you hear me? That's a wonderful picture of being accepted into a loving family, a mother and father that love them. We don't know what would have happened to the child, but we know what's going to happen now to the glory of God. And you know why? Listen, because somebody had enough gumption to get up out of their pain and look into the world and see the opportunity that was there. That's one way, by the way, we can change our world. There's a second way that we can change our world, not only by what we see, but look at the second one, by what we feel. Now, we don't normally like this word because we think somehow its feelings are subservient to knowledge, but I want you to listen closely to me. If knowledge and feelings are disconnected, if what we know doesn't move how we feel, then there is a a bad disconnect in our life. Jesus 
looked to the crowds, and look what the text says, and he was moved with compassion. Can you imagine omniscience? What does that mean? That's a big word. That, that one's worth a quarter, isn't it? It means God knows all things. Can you imagine the eyes of Christ as he begins to scan a crowd and he sees this person struggling with addiction, this person struggling with loneliness, this person struggling with greed, this person struggling with that, this person struggling with... They, they can't answer the questions in life. This one has financial... Can you imagine what it was like? He looks out in the crowd. He sees them. And he's moved with compassion. I want to tell you something, folks. This is a life changer. He actually took the time and he felt what they felt. When we think about compassion, compassion expresses and shows care, concern, and empathetic feelings for another person. Care. You actually care enough to take the time to feel what someone else feels. This is a challenge in life, by the way, because it moves us beyond ourselves into the life of other people. Christ felt the love and empathy for all of those around him. Jesus said, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. But we get so busy in life, don't we? We get so busy with our schedules, our, our Western world schedules. We've got the, this is at 9, this is at 9.30, that's it. And then we've got to be here at this time and there at that time. That We don't even have time to schedule in compassion. But you know what God wants to do with our life? He wants to sometimes interrupt our schedule. You, did you know that my schedule got interrupted this morning by the grace of God? I was going to be preaching on Daniel. I'd rather teach it to you, actually. That, that's one of my things. And I, I began to pray, Oh, Lord, if you bring one of these videos in, I will interrupt my, my message and share a message on compassion. And I, I'll do it every week that Daniel gets me another video. Don't tell him that, but this will change our life. This changes our church. This changes us. Compassion by what we feel for other people. You know, there are... A, uh, there are some challenges to compassion. And that is, when people take advantage of us, what do we do? We become so calloused. You know, many of you know our story. You go online, you read my story. I was in police work for seven years. Uh, to all total here in Christiansburg for several. Training, you get involved in people's life. You get in ministry for 20 years. And every week our phone rings with needs. Listen to me, needs after needs after needs. They need this. People need that. People need that. People have come and asked us for money at times and so forth. And we've given them money and we've sat and watched them walk right straight to a store and buy something they shouldn't. And, you know, that, that has irritated me at times. And I could sit here and tell you stories about it. And then you become so callous, you're like, I'm not giving anybody a dime. We don't want to waste this or do that or whatever. And, and you, you can become so calloused because somebody takes advantage of you that you, you're just afraid to open yourself back up I'm, I'm here to tell you this morning stop that because we have to be wise and discerning we don't want to just give because we feel like we should give we want to be wise in this we don't want to enable people with addictions or wasting or whatever so we are wise we vet things we check things out but at the same time we don't want to become so hardened 
that we can't feel someone else's need or pain. And, you know, if you're like me, when you get like that, and by the way, I do at times, and you begin to pray, oh, God, soften my heart. Soften my heart. I remember actually being with someone one time when they gave someone a gift, and I actually poked them and said, you know what's going to happen. They're going to take that and do such and such. And listen to what this man said. That's between them and the Lord. He said, my job was to respond to their need. Their job is to take that and do with it what the Lord would have them do. And they're accountable for that. I did my part in the name of Jesus. I thought, you know what? There's a valuable lesson to learn there, isn't there? Our Lord felt the needs of people. And I want to tell you something. If you want to change your life, take time to see the needs of people. Second of all, take time to, to feel the needs of people. And there's a third way. What is that? By what we pray. Okay, by what we see, by what we feel, and by what we pray. Look at this verse in verse 38. We read over this quick sometimes, but this is so powerful. Jesus says, I'm going to read verse 37 because it's so good too. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Can, can I read that into it? church terms this morning the town of christiansburg has all kinds of needs and hurting people and distressed people and people that need the touch of a christian the town of christiansburg is full but the laborers the christians who are actually able to see past their own needs and feel the hurts of others are few they're few and since there are so few people to meet so many needs, how do you change that? Well, listen. You ready? Number three. So, pray earnestly. Therefore, pray earnestly with passion, with a heart that really cares, with a heart that believes that God can actually change one life at a time. Pray earnestly that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into his harvest. I want you to know something this morning. I mean, God shook my world this week. And I've been praying that God would change your life. That you, you would not be able to leave this church without walking out these doors, and maybe even before you get out these doors, to see into the life of someone else and feel their pain, and pray that God would use you or someone else to meet their need. Every one of us have a need. I, I want you to hear me, every one of us. Now, if you take all of our needs, that those of us who know Christ Jesus as our Savior, if you take our needs, we are believers. Can you imagine what a person without Christ endures? Can you even imagine? We know how needy we are. Can you even imagine how needy they are? And so we get on our hands and our face or when we're driving to work and don't close your eyes and pray and pray and ask God, Lord, today in my cubicle, Lord, today on my call, Lord, today wherever I'm at, send someone in my life that I can see and feel a need to help in some way to change their life. 
And I am convinced if we start praying for that, God will send it. I'm going to tell you a little funny this week. Karen and I went somewhere, and, you know, I am an introvert. By the way, a lot of pastors are introverts. What does that mean? We stay to ourselves. You know, I could probably live two or three days at the house and never see a soul and be fine. A lot of people are not like that. They have to have people around them all the time. I, it's just the way I'm made. I have to break out of that shell. Uh, I'm not an introvert in the pulpit, but I am in my life. So Karen and I were sitting somewhere this week, and she looks over, and she goes, is that such and such? I was like, I don't know. She said, well, I think it is. I think I'm going to go introduce myself to them. I was like, oh, no. You know. So she goes over and introduces herself. Well, this person knows, knows us and looks over at me and says, oh, I'll go over and talk to him. He comes over and talks to me, and he's sitting down, and he's, he's talking. You know, I'm, I'm talking back. We're getting to know each other a little bit, and he shares something with me. So I want you to know something. He said, my life has been radically changed through prayer. He said, I, I got involved with uh, getting with somebody. He said, you know, sometimes as a Christian, it's hard to find people you, you agree with on everything and whatever. He said, somebody told me something one time. They said, you know, even if you can't agree with another believer on issues of doctrine or whatever, just go over and ask them if you can pray with them. He said, so I started doing that. I started getting with this good brother and this other brother. I just started praying with them. We didn't get into the things that caused us to fight and argue with each other. We just started praying, praying for each other, praying for our families, praying for this, praying for that. He said, I want you to know something. God changed me from a, pray, a Christian who prays to a praying Christian. And this is what he said to me. And I think God wants to change you from a pastor who prays to a praying pastor. And I think God wants to change your church from a church that prays to a praying church. And he said, I know nothing I've shared with you was life-changing there, but uh, I just wanted to share it. Walked off. I get home. You know, there are some good things about Facebook. Only one or two, but anyway, there are some good things about it. And I get a message on my messenger, and I look down, this person messaged me and says, uh, Hey, it was great to see you tonight, talk to you. Nothing I shared with you was life-changing, you know, but I just I want to let you know what God was doing in my life through prayer. So I responded back, and I said, uh, that's where you're wrong. That was totally life-changing. God wants to change us from Christians who pray to praying Christians. God wants to change us from a church that prays to a praying church. It's a natural response. The only way needs are ever going to get met in our life is not by us rolling up our sleeves and getting it done. It's by Almighty God moving in the hearts of people to meet the needs. You know, if Jesus wanted to right here, you know what he could have done? He could have went around and zapped everybody with his holy power and said, I want you to go in the harvest, and you to go in the harvest, and you to go in the harvest, and you're going to go, and you're going to go, and I'm going to give you all kinds of money and meet all your needs, and you're never going to have to ask a question. But he didn't do that. He only had 12 people to meet the needs in Jerusalem. Did you, did you hear me? Twelve! And those 12 went out and rounded up a few more, and if you read Luke, they ended up with 72 people. 72! We've got more than that here this morning. Seventy-two people changed Jerusalem. 
And Jesus didn't just go out and say, you're going to do it, you're going to do it. What did he say? If you want to change your world, one of the ways that we change our world is we pray that Almighty God changes the hearts of people toward others. Wow, how we need that today. We need that today. I mean, we've been battered, we've been bruised, we've been this, we've been that, and I could go right on down the list about everything that even believers have thought about this year. Politics, masks, viruses, vaccines. I mean, folks, listen to me. Every heart of every person has needs. There's enough to divide over to keep you distracted, Keyword: the rest of your life, to keep you distracted from compassion. But I want you to know something. We're praying for you. We're praying for you that Almighty God gives you a heart of compassion for people and their needs that only you can meet. So we can change our world by four ways. What's the first one? By what we see. The second way is by what we feel. The third way is by what we pray. And fourth, by where we go. Now look at this closely because you'll miss it if you don't. Verse 38, Pray therefore earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His harvest. Now, Thanks be to the Lord, I had the privilege of growing up on a farm. One of the things that I hated about farming when I was a teenager was gardening. Do you all enjoy gardening? Well, if you do, you didn't grow up on our farm because my dad and my mother, who watches on Facebook every week, can be a testimony to this. My dad, when we first moved to our farm, got a little eager and went down into the upper part of our hayfield and plowed up about an acre or so of new ground. If you don't know what new ground is, let me just tell you. It's ground that's never had the rocks pulled out of it or the roots or the weeds or anything else. It's set dormant for years and years. New ground. So my dad gets a tractor and a plow, and he plows up this new ground, and we're going to plant potatoes. Oh, you know what you got to do with potatoes? Well, you've got to make a hill for them. We didn't have a piece of equipment to do that besides a hoe and a mattock and what. You ever broke up new ground? Uh, that's, that's the problem today. Uh, the hardest thing for most kids today is learning how to switch over the Xbox to the PlayStation. Uh, but when you break up new ground, let me tell you something, it's hard. Picking out rocks and roots and weed grow, I mean, just And the place we lived on grew rocks. We had more rocks than we had potatoes. But here's the point. After we planted that garden, and by the way, we got it all planted and got it all up, we hadn't quite moved up there yet. We were still going back and forth. Now. The deer came and ate every bit of it before we got to harvest it. Isn't that wonderful? Don't you love deer? That's why we started eating deer. So <laughs> we, can't, we can't eat the potatoes. We'll just eat the deer. They tasted really good. But here's the point about the harvest. You learn that when you plant things and you go to harvest things, do you know that everything is not ready to harvest at the same time? You know, if you're like us, we plant our tomato, we try to get it started early, we baby it, put miracle Grow on it, and, you know, try to protect it, and that first tomato, it starts changing color. You go out there and squeeze it just a little, because you don't want to eat it hard. You know, you want to eat it nice when it, nice and red and juicy. That's when it's the best. You squeeze, and one day, it's not ready. One day, it's not ready. You turn around two days, you go, and it's ready. And what do you do with it? You pull it off. Isn't it interesting that our Lord talked about the, the people in our life and our community as the harvest. You know, Jesus went into Samaria 
And if you've ever been to the Middle East and parts of the Middle East, they wear these turbans around their head. And when they walk out in the fields, you know, the white turban signifies certain things. And Jesus went over to his disciples one time, looked out into Samaria and said, Look, look, the field is white unto harvest. All the heads of those people, Jesus said, they're, they're ready for harvest. All fruit is not ready at the same time. But when you are a laborer in the harvest, you have to realize there are different responsibilities. Some of us have to plow the ground. Some of us have to throw out the rocks. Some of us have to tear out the roots. Are you listening now? Some of us have to plant the seeds. Some of us have to weed after it's come up in its vegetable form. Some of us have to cultivate, meet its needs. Some of us have to spray and pick the bugs off of it. And others have to watch and water and wait. And then all of a sudden, others get to go out when the harvest is ready and they can pull the fruit right off the harvest. You know, everyone has a role in the harvest. There is somebody in your world somewhere, and I know that because they are filled in mine that is somewhere in God's harvest. Maybe God wants you to plow up some field this week. I don't know. That was my dad's job. He was really good at plowing, tearing up everything in your life. He was good at that, though. I'll never forget the time he walked, we walked into his, their house, and you know, I thought I was Johnny Christian. And my dad says, uh, if you died and stood before God today, and he said, why should I let you into heaven? What would you tell him? Well, nobody ever asked me that question before. You know, when I told my dad, I said, Dad, well, because I'm a good guy, I've done this, I'm trying to help people, I'm in public service. And my dad, being the loving guy he is, went, you're as lost as a goose. He plowed my ground. You're as lost as a goose. And I said, well, Dad, well then, how how you get saved? He handed me a Bible. He said, you look. Wow. I want you to know something. He turned over a few rocks in my life. And instead of getting angry and mad, you know what I did? I went home and said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to find out. And I went home and it challenged me. You know, there's been other times in my personal life when somebody's had to come along and they've had to cultivate me out of discouragement. You ever been discouraged and you just have somebody come along and speak a word in just the right time? You know, the proverb says that a word fitly spoken, a word spoken in the right time, is just like a beautiful, lush, delicious apple set inside a basket of gold. It's just beautiful. It fits. But we are all involved in the harvest. There is a harvest somewhere. And Almighty God wants us to get involved. So now, let's ask this question. How in the world is God going to take this message and change our life? Well, this is the question I have asked. Will you allow Jesus... To use you to change your world starting right now. Right now. Will you? That's the first question you have to answer. And I have prayed that you would. And if you do, this is what we're going to ask you. 
I'm not going to tell you to look out, you know, think of this person or pray this. I want you to do this and let it all be God. Just simply say this. Dear Lord, from the time I get up from this chair and throughout this week, help me look into the eyes of someone. Feel what they feel. And Lord, may you change their life by changing mine and help me have compassion to meet their need. And if God opens up the opportunity, this person is somewhere in the harvest cycle. Maybe they're a believer. Maybe they need a word of encouragement. Maybe they're an unbeliever and they've never heard about Jesus. Maybe they're someone who is... I mean, it could be anywhere in life. But you just pray that God would use you and give you eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that can feel. And that's our prayer for you. And I'm praying that God will do that in your life, starting right now. And I'm praying you don't leave here as the same person. And if you've got callous on you, pray, Almighty God, take the callous off. Because of what you've done in my heart, help me to do that in someone else's. Father, thank you this morning for the privilege we have to be involved in your harvest. And Lord, somewhere along the line, every person we meet this week is going to be in the harvest somewhere. Help us to discern which stage they're in and help us to be active. And oh God, I pray that you'll not let us forget this week what it means to have compassion on people as our Lord and Savior did. Change our heart, change our life, change our church, change our community, and change our world. And we give you all the glory, Jesus, because you're the one who does it through us. In your name we pray. Amen.